We know it's, it's growing in its strength. The hatred is more overt. This is the world we live in. Persecution, temptation, and death. This is the violent pounding that comes on our Christian professions, on our lives. And then comes the judgment. The final judgment when we face the justice of God for our sins and God will judge us. As a Christian, you won't avoid trouble. There's never that promise of avoiding trouble. But as a Christian, with your foundation securely, if your foundation is securely in Jesus Christ, then you will be secure in all these storms. You will be kept in temptation. You will be given strength to, <clears throat> to deal with persecution. You will, through Christ, be able to overcome even death. And of course, God's judgment is placed on Christ rather than you. That all your sins are dealt with in Jesus Christ. You are secure. You won't avoid the trouble, but you will be secure in Him. Not only hear Jesus, but also follow Jesus and obey Jesus. And don't hear me wrong. Don't hear Jesus wrong. Doing is not going to save you. It's not a matter of saying, great, I've just got to really break this down into enough bullet points of things I've got to do this week, and if I do all these things, and the pastor says... I'm secure. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's not about doing that saves you. It's believing in Jesus Christ alone that saves you. But if you truly believe in Jesus Christ and you call Him Lord, Lord, then you will do what He says you should do. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus needs to make you good in order for you to be able to do good to recognize your need to build that foundation. And it's ultimately Christ who is building and building up your Christian life in Him and is the one who will protect you until He brings you to heaven. Where there you'll say, Lord, Lord. And if you're in Christ, He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest and the joy of your Lord. The fact is, that foundation believing in Jesus Christ, and then building upon Christ. That's needed. You need Christ as your foundation. Not only hearing, but doing. Believing, and out of that faith, doing. What is your foundation? That's what Jesus is asking. What is your foundation? Build your life on the solid rock by both hearing and doing what Christ the Lord teaches. Began with this man who is a hearer and a doer, and who's foundation was ground, who was building his life firmly on Jesus Christ and doing all that Jesus said. But Jesus, interestingly, concludes with a very dramatic warning. We might think, well, this isn't exactly how you should be preaching Jesus. You're supposed to warn people, and then, and then you're supposed to bring the good example of the guy and then leave everybody feeling good at the end of the sermon because they're probably all just remembering that good guy who they're all probably like. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, here's the good example. And by God's grace, Many of you this morning are able to say, yes, Lord, I am building on you. By your grace, because of your sovereign power and your divine love, I am building my life on Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. And you can testify to those temptations you've been able to overcome by His grace. You can give thanks for the persecution that you faced in various forms and ways, and you stood strong because your feet are firmly planted in Christ. And that the fear of death is not a fear that dogs you. 
because you know that though you die, yet you shall live, because Jesus Christ is the one in whom you have your, by whom you have life. But there are others who need to hear, and you need to recognize and realize perhaps it's you that you are building on the earth, that your life is not built in Christ, that it's good for you to wake up and realize that today you need a new foundation. I don't know your heart. I'm not looking at anyone in particular this morning. But the question comes to all of us, and we are to find ourselves in Christ, giving thanks or seeking mercy. And Jesus concludes then with this dramatic warning, because there are those who build their lives on the earth. He who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Remember, there are two kinds of builders, those who build on the earth and those who build on the foundation, the solid rock. Those who build on Christ are building on the solid rock. But by nature, we are all building on the earth. We're building on something other than Jesus. We're building on something of the earth, something that's earthy and natural. And Jesus is warning against those who have built on the earth, but he's actually, there's a greater folly because he's speaking to those who have heard of Jesus, who claim to know Jesus, and still build their life on the earth. Still building on the dirt. You know, these two homes are going up near each other, and uh, perhaps with, you, you'd walk by, and you, you, as a passerby, you'd probably look and say, oh, look, they all look the same. They all look fine. They all look, they, 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 both, they both look like they're good, solid homes, and any person should be lucky to live in them. Except the one is built on the rock that you can't the, see, has that foundation that's not easily discerned, perhaps. Well, the other is built on the hard clay, in the Middle Eastern clay in the summer, when the sun is beating down and it's dry and hard and solid, it can be very deceiving. You think, wow, this is easy. In fact, that second home, building on the clay, might even go up faster. And he might have more money to, to, to put on some extra frills because he didn't have to spend all that hard effort and, 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 and wages to get, that, to get that, that, that home built on a rock to dig down deep. But it's deceiving. This is the picture of one, the, the one who's building on the clay or on the, on the ground, on the earth, is one who claims the Christian life, who loves the Christian life, loves the idea of the Christian life because it promises a lot of benefits. Promises a lot of hope, promises a lot of heaven, and perhaps even now there's some idea that it's going to give me a lot of benefits in this life as well. So we pick and choose the parts of Scripture we like to interpret and understand our own way. But this is somebody who claims the Christian life, but yet picks and chooses their obedience. Picks and chooses how they're going to live for God. Picks and chooses the commands and sermons like this that sound good, like the golden rule, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That sounds good. But there are other things about loving those who hate you, and man, that's really hard, and so we pick and choose what we like to do. And we don't maybe overtly say that. You're not Thomas Jefferson who just cut out things out of his Bible that he didn't quite like and created his own version of, of the gospel, his own version of Jesus' teaching. But yet in our hearts we do this as we ignore certain commands and really emphasize others. We live a life that looks good on the outside. It keeps up, we keep up appearances. We, uh, we think, at least, that others are going to really not notice anything wrong, but we're, we're, we look like everyone else around us. We go to church. We do all these things. We look good on the outside, but yet when Jesus, when there's a choice between 
following something we really want to do in Jesus, then we follow what we really want to do, and Christ is continually trumped in our own life. We don't really dig down deep. We don't study the Scriptures. We don't have time. Yet we have time for lots of other things, but yet time in the Scriptures is not really time that, that we prioritize, and we grumble and complain that we don't have time, and yet we do. And one of the reasons we neglect the Lord's Day, and there we eat away at the time God has given us to search and understand Him. We, we are there, mostly, but we skip services. We don't, we don't look to the means that God has given to grow in grace, to understand who He is, to seek Him. When He calls us to follow Him, God has given us very simple ways to grow in grace and godliness. He's not complicated. I think sometimes, for some, it would be easier if he said, you know, make that pilgrimage halfway around the world and then you'll be fine instead of just the constant ongoing work of living the Christian life, being in the Word of God, engaging in prayer, seeking God on the Lord's day, and using that day that He's given us. Our Christian commitment is half-hearted. This is one whose Christian commitment is half-hearted. Again, the thought to the next stage of life, it'll get more serious, it'll get better, it'll get stronger. One writer puts it this way, he says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting or lacking, it has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. We blame other people, we blame other things, we blame God for not making it easier on us, and we don't like to look in our own heart but yet we want it to look on the outside like everything's fine. But all you're doing, if this is you, is building, a li- building your life on sand. Building your life on, on well, not even, even more than sand, say, on hard clay. But that foundation won't stand either. One who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently. Because the Christian life, the, 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 the life of one who claims to follow Christ but doesn't actually follow Christ is not going to stand when the troubles come. It's not going to stand against temptation, but it's going to collapse. There's going to be a great ruin. The ruin of that house, of your life, is going to be great because when the crisis hits, you can't stand. When temptation comes, you can't resist it. When your friends mock you for following Jesus Christ and being so serious about things, you tone down your zeal. When you suffer and, 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 and you deal with trials in your life and somehow you've gotten this idea that the Christian life is easy and the Christian life is going to lead to everything day is going to be great, then you blame God because you say, He's the one who's hard on me. He's harsh against me. He doesn't love me. And so you walk away. You run away. And finally, you come to judgment and you stand before God on this foundation. You have no Christ you have no hope, you have no heaven. There is no eternal life for those who simply say, Lord, Lord, but do not do the things which Jesus says. And in that moment of judgment, friend, all will be gone. All of it will be swept away. The ruin of that house is complete, completely gone. There will be no one who looks and says, there was a house here at one point. It will be gone. No hope, no rebuilding opportunity in that time of judgment. You've made a vain profession, and at the end of it all, you have lost your soul. That's what Jesus is warning against. But see, it's a mercy that Jesus warns us this way. It's a mercy to you this morning. 
How is it a mercy to hear something like this? How is this a mercy to hear such a hard message or a warning like this? It's a mercy because you're not yet in ruin. You're not yet lost. You have not yet come to the judgment seat of God where He will judge you justly. You still are called to run to the rock, to run to Jesus Christ, because only Jesus Christ can save you. And the Father has sent His Son into the world, that the world, that, that the, that the world through Him should believe. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He could condemn us without Jesus. But He couldn't save us without Jesus. That was His plan of salvation. The Father sent the Son out of love to call sinners to salvation, to call sinners, to give sinners another foundation upon which they could build their lives so that not all of us would be ruined by our own sin, but that we, that God and His mercy would save by grace and, and, and enable us to have our lives rebuilt, rebuilt on an eternally standing foundation. That's the mercy in this message. Come to Jesus. God has given away another foundation upon which to build. Build your life on the solid rock by both hearing and doing what Christ the Lord teaches. This is a concluding application to this, this particular sermon of Jesus. What foundation are you building on? Especially to consider our hearts, we call Him Lord, Lord. Are we building, are we truly found on that real foundation? What does our life say? What fruit are we bearing? What flows out of the abundance of our hearts? If you're building on the rock, are you building on the rock this morning? If you're building on the rock this morning, blessed are you. Praise God for His grace and mercy to you. Follow Him. Obey Him. Don't commit to Jesus Christ without a commitment to live for Him, saying, yes, you're my Savior, but you're also my Lord. And live your whole life for Him. And in Christ, build while the sun is shining. Dig down. Make sure you are growing and make sure that foundation, the foundation, of course, if the foundation is Christ, it's faithful and true, but make sure your whole life is as firmly placed on that foundation. That is, when the sun is shining before the storms hit or when you're in between storms in the Christian life, to use that opportunity to, to solidify your faith, to shore up where it's weak, to cry and seek from the Lord the grace to be, grow deeper in your faith, to grow in the Spirit. If you're building on the earth this morning, today is the day for a new foundation. Today is the call of Christ to come to Him for a new foundation. Perhaps you've avoided the hard questions. You've put them out of your mind. You've plugged away and hoped it'd get better. Just maybe somehow it'd just get better. But the hour is coming when you will never, we will not be able to avoid the hard questions that God has for you. J.C. Ryle writes, he said, Open sin and avowed unbelief, no doubt, slay their thousands. But profession without practice slays its tens of thousands. Profession without practice slays its tens of thousands. And the final judgment will reveal all who said, Lord, Lord, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Today, now, is no time for lazy Christianity. It's no time for toying with the eternal destiny of your soul. 
It is the day to run to the rock, to dig deep by His grace, and to find and make sure that all of your life, all of your life, is grounded in Him in every single way. For it is Jesus Christ alone who will make your end secure. And you, with all who are in Christ, will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God in heaven, for for speaking so so clearly, so up front into our lives, asking us these hard questions now and and promising mercy to all who come to Christ. And you call us to come. You promise that all who come, you you will cast none away. God in heaven, we thank you for this message And we pray that we all here, that all here this morning would be found in Christ, building on that foundation. For all who are already in Christ, encourage and comfort and build up. In every way that perhaps we are, our our foundation is, 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 uh, in every way that our home or our, our lives are not being built on Christ, correct us. Lord, we thank you that truly we can build on Christ. And we pray for all who are not in Christ, who are perhaps maybe self-deceived and thinking they are, but this sermon, Lord, we pray, use it to expose them and to expose their own lives, that they would, Lord, come to Christ for that new foundation. And for others who perhaps are acknowledge openly and say, I don't know this Jesus. I know about Him, Lord, but I don't know Him. Lord, give them a foundation upon which they can build their lives. Give them Christ, we pray. Lord, we pray that, that you, the God of peace, who has given us a Savior and brought him, Lord, uh, Lord, to us to suffer and to die, to pay the price for sin, and who have also raised him up from the dead, Lord, by his blood, equip us to do, to believe and to do everything well, to do good. We would do his will, not only hearing it, but doing his will, working in us that which is pleasing in your sight through him. Lord, I thank you for this, your people here. We pray that not only individually in each individual heart would there be faith, true faith in Jesus Christ that is expressed in a life lived for Christ, but Lord, as a whole congregation, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that, that this congregation would be grounded upon Christ and growing in, in love for Him and His truth and showing together and spurring each other on in obedience and faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that this church, which is, strives to be built upon Christ, would continue to be strong and sure on that foundation and not slip or slide or drift away. Lord God, we pray then that you would bless uh, the elders here. And uh, Lord, pray that you would bless Dave and Kevin and thank you for their service. Thank you for their labors. Lord, they carry a great responsibility as well of needing to be those who are faithful in, in, in serving the flock and exhorting and teaching and correcting and disciplining and Lord, in calling to greater faithfulness and, and also to encourage and build up and bless and to give thanks with the saints who are growing and maturing in grace and who show evident fruit of your work in their lives. Pray as well that you'd bless uh, Andy in his service uh, as a deacon and showing forth the love of Christ and the mercy ministry of the church. And we pray that you'd bless his labor and work. And, as, and Lord, pray that as a whole congregation as well, that this would not just be work of elders or deacons, uh, Lord, but that there would be a, a, an ongoing work of exhorting one another to faithfulness, to, uh, Lord, to uh, love and good works, and to not forsake the gathering together of the saints, and all the more as the day of Christ's return approaches. 
And we also pray, Lord, that mercy would be, Lord, the way that they treat one another and that where there are needs, they would care for one another and love one another and that there would be a great desire to serve, to live for Christ in all these practical ways as well. Pray, Lord, that you would bless John's ministry. Thank you for the many years of service that he's had here in this city and in this congregation. Continue to bless his ministry, bless his preaching, stir his heart with fresh love for Christ and a fresh hunger for the gospel himself, and that each Lord's Day he would be able to faithfully proclaim the word of God and the power of the Spirit, and that Christ would increase here in this place. Thank you, Lord, for his, the endurance you've given him, and Lord, for the example and witness that he is, not only to his own congregation, but also to our presbytery, and, uh, and, and Lord, and in, in, in brotherly love. Thank you for him and his, bless his service and his ministry in the valley today. Lord, we pray that you would move this people forward together then in humility and faith, looking uh, to you, our God, that they would look to you, our God, together. Pray that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father would flourish and prevail here amongst us. And pray that in the families here, Lord, uh, that, that this would be evident, Lord, in marriages and, Lord, including in those that are perhaps are struggling. We pray for, for that amongst covenant children, including those who are straying and drifting, that, that Lord, uh, we pray, Lord, that, that, they, that they would come to know Christ and live pure and undefiled before you. We pray, Lord, for, uh, for grace and, Lord, for hope for all. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would make the, those who are the young people here self-controlled, that the word of God, your word, would abide in them. They would be strong and may overcome the evil one. There are many things that seek to pull them to a different foundation. Oh, Lord, guard and protect their lives and remember them in your mercy. Lord, we pray that you would make us a people faithful in proclaiming Christ and make your word powerful as it goes forth from us. Let no weapon fashioned against your church succeed. Let every tongue that rises against it in judgment be confuted. We pray that any who would seek to discourage the ministry here in Halifax would be, uh, would be put to shame, O oh God. We pray that even in this city, that this would be a time of reformation that flows out of the church and into the streets and into the needs of all around. Lord, that the church would have a, an, a, the impact on, on the souls of men that you have ordained for it. We pray, Lord, that, that all, as the ministry of this church goes forward, but that both here in this church and, for, and, and with others, Lord, that those who are, uh, who are deceived, who are under the delusions of the evil one, and believing the lies of the world, that they would rather, Lord, that you would pray that you'd open their eyes, fill their hearts with the light instead of darkness, and let them love the truth. We pray that, Lord, for all around the world, for your church globally, that all who hate Zion would be put to shame and turned backward, and that all that is, that is conspired against the church would be turned for good and accomplish your good gospel purposes. We pray, Lord, for your church as she meets around the world, wherever your gospel is proclaimed, in truth, we pray for the salvation of sinners. We pray for the growth and maturity of, of your people and the growing confidence in you. Lord, we pray for our witness, not only here in Nova Scotia, but also, Lord, for our presbytery witness in, in Ontario as well. We thank you for Grace Presbyterian Church. We pray for uh, our brothers there who serve in the ministry, uh, Pastors Kingswood and Murray and Widowson and Collins. We thank you, Lord, for their labors, their work, the, 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 the broad ministry that you've enabled them to have there. We thank you for the congregation, for the elders and deacons that serve, and we pray you continue to bless them with leaders that they need to continue to shepherd the church, that none would be uh, forgotten or fall through the cracks. 
We pray that you'd bless the outreach in Stratford, uh, Ontario, and the work of, of Pastor Collins there, and that re reaching out, seeking to, to, to plant a new church, a faithful gospel witness in a city that has many people and many things, Lord, in some ways a, a vanity fair, but Lord, who need faithful gospel preaching, and so provide, we pray. We thank you for that ministry, that for the, for the, the saints that we, with whom we share a common salvation, and bless that church. We also, Lord, pray for Randy and Allison Lewin. Thank you for the update that we received uh, uh, yesterday and today and of their mission work to Pakistan. Their strong desires, you've given them greater clarity and a great heart desire to serve in Pakistan. And also, Lord, the unexpected news that perhaps they can get missionary visas. Uh, and unexpected, Lord, because of turmoil in the government there, that an opportunity has arisen that we didn't imagine could have happened. But Lord, we also know we completely depend on you that the promises and the assurances of men, even in the government, even high-ranking men in the Pakistani government can, uh, uh, Lord, that they can be changed and broken and forgotten. But Lord, uh, we think of Joseph in the prison and uh, the, the, uh, the cupbearer who forgot all about him. But Lord, we are hope and confidence then, like Joseph's, is not in any man but in you. And so we pray for Randy and Allison as they await, even in the next week, hopefully, uh, Lord, the deadline is, or the, 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 the promised date is this Saturday, Lord, that they would hear that they've been approved for missionary work, knowing, Lord, that if they're approved, they'll be able to go and minister more fully, be able to send them as missionaries on the field. And if not, Lord, that we know that this door will close and that, humanly speaking, there will be no, no further opportunities for visas to be approved. And so we plead with you and we pray to you and we ask you to change the hearts of men to move in, the, in, in governments and open the way for the gospel to be proclaimed in a country that so desperately needs to hear Christ. We thank you for the work of the Christian hospital there, the spiritual work in the, of the Christian churches there in, in, in Pakistan. And we pray for, for this opportunity that we may have to see the gospel spread further in that land. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, again, be here this morning to worship you, to hear your word. We pray then as we come to the Lord's Supper, that uh, resting in Christ, for all of us who are resting in Christ, we'd be able to come and dine, be fed and nourished, and again, strengthened in our Christian hearing and doing, and built up in Christ our Lord. Continue to feed us, we pray. We commit all of this to you in prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude our worship service this morning, let's do so. Our God graciously gives us His blessing. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs>